Propaniacs. Fellow Propaniacs, it's time to tuck, tape, and tease our way across the stage. Because the Mrs. Heimlich County pageant is in town. And with all the preparations, there's hardly even time for us to get into King of the Hills Season 3, Episode 6, Peggy's Pageant Fever. But we're going to do it anyway. I'm Melton McMainerberry, and I'll be your host for this evening. But before we pull back the curtain on this King of the Hill episode, I need to let you know that this episode of Propaniacs is brought to you by Sue's Truck Motel. Sue's Truck Motel. We're still not sure if it's just a Motel 6. Well, to start off with, I'd like to talk about some general themes of this episode. First off, I think the episode plays with notions of beauty, especially the idea of superficiality and superficial beauty versus a deeper kind of beauty. But I want to ask, and I think the episode wants to ask, is it that simple? Secondly, is something I'm going to call values. In a nutshell, it's some misalignment, perhaps, between what Peggy thinks people will admire in her versus what they actually care about, at least in the specific context this episode is going to take place in. So let's get into the episode itself. First off, Act 1, as they usually do, sets the stage, pardon the pun, as Peggy confidently enters a beauty pageant in order to win a nice truck. And we start off the episode with something that this episode is going to have a lot of. And I kind of mentioned this with that second theme. In a way, the episode is really about this effect that Daisy and I started calling grounding. It's when King of the Hill inserts some details to rein itself in, whenever it starts to feel big in some sense. Here is Nancy's pageant-initiated fame that's grounded with her line about getting into hundreds of homes a night on Channel 84. And that one hit a little close to home. But there's something else in this episode, and I have to say I can't recall Another instance of this in King of the Hill's entire 13-season run, but it's something to keep our eye out for. But the Mrs. Heimlich County pageant's grand prize of a Chevy Silverado, especially with all the details with which Nancy describes it, sure feels like product placement, doesn't it? And that just doesn't feel right for King of the Hill, but we have to remember that this was a network sitcom, and sometimes things like this had to happen. But it's awkward, and it's awkward not in the way I would have expected King of the Hill to have made it awkward. King of the Hill really stops short of skewering the practice of product placement like you might expect it to have done. Subtle though the satire would have been, because that's King of the Hill's hallmark. The Simpsons definitely would have skewered this as they skewered everything about American life and about American sitcoms, including themselves, without leaving any doubt about what they were doing. But King of the Hill always had a different tone for The Simpsons, a smaller, subtler tone. And, you know, if this is really paid product placement, I kind of think it is because it's so out of place. And if it's also satirizing the practice of paid product placement, I'll have to confess, it's too subtle for me this time. If there's a joke here, I don't get it. And we do see a little more of this in the alley later in Act 1 with Boomhauer, the one supplying all the cool selling points about this truck. So there's a chance here that having the unintelligible character do that is an eye roll towards something the show was forced by the network to do. Yeah, I I don't know. I'd love to know more about what's really going on here. Maybe I'm misreading this altogether. If you have other ideas, or if you somehow verifiably know what's happening here, please do write me at meltonmcmainerberry at gmail.com and let me know. But moving on, nice animation in the bedroom here with Hank's facial expression when Peggy asks the loaded question about her chances of winning a beauty pageant. 
The question really did put Hank in a tough spot, right? This is where the episode starts to feel a lot like the season two episode, Husky Bobby. If you remember, that was an important episode because that episode ended with a twist. It subverted its own subversion and then and ended up squarely in a father-knows-best place, which felt like a pivotal moment for King of the Hill and for Hank as a character. But in that episode, it truly was a terrible idea for Bobby to participate in that fashion show. Hank was right all along. And in this one, let's face it, it's a terrible idea for Peggy to enter this beauty pageant. And like Bobby in that fashion show, this situation is the perfect storm of a character's dropping into a context where the things that make that character self-confident are not the things that this context values. There's that misaligned values theme this episode is exploring. In fact, the values are so misaligned and the self-confidence so high that neutrality really isn't an option. This is going to crash and burn, and it's hard to see a way to prevent that from happening. And again, as in Husky Bobby, Hank seems to see all of that immediately. It's written all over his facial expression, as we said, and his statement, I just don't think you're the pageant type, frankly, seems to hit the nail on the head. Hank sees this values misalignment and instantly tries to save Peggy from some Husky Bobby type humiliation without himself being the source of humiliation for her. He wasn't kidding about this being a no-win situation for him. Or for Peggy. Or, hmm. Is there a chance King of the Hill will double back on this subversion and have Hank eat his words this time? It is a Mrs. Heimlich County pageant, not a Miss Heimlich County pageant. And that must be for a reason, right? Is there a chance Peggy actually is this kind of pageant's type? I think the episode leaves that question open at this point. We do start to see a little attitude shift from Hank later on in the alley, I must say, when the guys, except Bill, avoid yepping the idea that Peggy could win this pageant. Hank comes to her defense, which is nice, but that protest is kind of all the more reason to make us as the viewer dread where it looks like this is going for Peggy. Now, there does at least seem to be one winner in all this, and it's Luann. Win, lose, or draw for Peggy, I think we the viewers can unhesitatingly share Luann's excitement at getting to be Peggy's stylist. Feels like a real win for her, a big step forward in a career that she does need. So we're like, you go girl, right? Hmm. By the way, Luann's hair has completely grown back now. In the last episode I mentioned, there was a season-long nice touch in season three as Luann's hair gradually grew back and we got to see all the awkward in-between stages as that happened. Well, sorry folks, guess my memory failed me. Six episodes in and that arc has hit land. But on with the show. Oh man, is the animation great when reigning Mrs. Heimlich County, Kathy Shears, is introduced. This is that superficiality theme that the episode explores. I really think the interplay of Peggy's views on superficiality and the things she values as applied to this pageant is where the episode really shines. But anyway, Kathy Shears' vacant, unmoving, wide-eyed smile as she walks up to the lectern is perfect. Also, the disconnected way she delivers her vapid speech about the end of her reign as Mrs. Heimlich County. Oh, man. Another hat tip 
by the way, to the always stellar Ashley Gardner on that. I'm pretty sure that's who's voicing Kathy Shears, and she's great. Okay, so then we have Peggy's first encounter with one of her fellow pageant participants, namely Helen Pell. And kind of like we noted back in season one, that Khan's name is a pretty deliberate anagram of Hank's. So pretty clearly, Helen Pell is something of a shuffled and reconstituted Peggy Hill. Everything about Helen Pell screams that she is a more put-together version of Peggy herself. From her smart suit, that's the same color as Peggy's going out in the daytime skirt, to her also short but more stylish hair. Plus, her hair color is like a more vibrant version of Peggy's duller by comparison standard brown. The more vibrant lipstick, too, which is highlighted by the fact that Helen is applying it just as Peggy walks up to her. Now, naturally, none of that intimidates the ever-confident Peggy. It's not even clear whether Peggy picks up on any of it, honestly. And we know that Peggy has been guilty in the past of missing the obvious, right? So all of that visual setup tees up a conversation that just continues those comparisons between Helen and Peggy, with Peggy losing each battle in this verbal war that they have. So we won't enumerate every humiliating shot fired between these two ladies, but I do want to highlight one point that Helen Pell made that deserves emphasis because it's so supremely true. Engineers make sexy husbands. So this encounter with Helen Pell throws the reality that we may have feared and that Hank certainly did fear right in our faces. Folks, Peggy is out of her league. The things she thought were her best selling points suddenly seem lackluster, and she may have already put herself in a no-win situation. But then in the next encounter, we may see a ray of hope. Okay, so Peggy didn't go to college and has never been to Spain. No word on whether she kind of likes the music. But maybe Peggy can outdo this stay-at-home mom, right? I mean, Peggy values herself as a mother. We kind of know that about Peggy already, and she makes it explicit later in the episode. Maybe Helen Pell didn't value motherhood since she didn't even mention it when she and Peggy were sparring. But Peggy does, and it seems like this woman does too. So there we go. This may be level ground because this fellow pageant-goer just played the mom card before Peggy did. So maybe that's all she's got, right? Well, maybe. But she outmoms Peggy with her seven kids, so much so that Peggy pathetically lies in her retort about the number of kids that Peggy has. And we can see why, right? The defeat by this lady probably hurt worse than the one at the hands of Helen Pell, because this woman kind of met Peggy where she was rather than standing on a pedestal and looking down on her. But she met her where she was and promptly bested her there. Also, we mustn't forget what a long-term sore spot lack of more children is for Peggy, especially in light of her and Hank's efforts in the last few episodes. So this one hit her right between the eyes, and she is left grasping at straws to try to save face. So then I think the most interesting of these encounters is the last one. Here we have a contestant who is much younger and more physically attractive than Peggy, clearly. Even Peggy sees that right away, so she goes on the attack. This young beauty is in college, and Peggy never went? Good. Her majors are jokes, and she will end up off her high horse soon enough and in a blue-collar job. Not that there's anything wrong with that. This young beauty doesn't have any kids? Good. Peggy has one. And this is where Peggy's values misalignment shows up, because this contestant has chosen not to have kids, at least at this point, so that she can concentrate on her studies, as she says, and Peggy sees no value in that choice. Rather, 
Peggy sees value in motherhood pure and simple. And you either are a mother or you're lower in the pecking order because you aren't. Finally, Peggy has bested someone in these life comparison contests, but only she thinks that, right? The young childless contestant seems quite unfazed, at least confused, but Peggy either doesn't notice or doesn't care. Small victory? Maybe. Victory, I suppose, can also be in the eye of the beholder. But there's more to this because here's that interplay of misaligned values and superficiality. Because I think we do have to admit that this young contestant did come off as a bit superficial in this conversation. Peggy may have had a point about those double majors sounding good, but maybe not providing the upper-class post-college life that the contestant may have fancied herself as having. Also, the contestant really did seem young and inexperienced compared to Peggy, a little naive about the world maybe, and maybe without much beyond being in college and being physically attractive to recommend her. Not that Peggy gives her a chance to supply anything else before cutting her off, of course, but Peggy does seem to accomplish here something that seems to emerge as a secondary goal for her in being in this pageant, besides just winning a sweet truck, and that's undermining an institution that seems in some ways to celebrate superficial qualities rather than deeper qualities It does feel like there's something commendable there. And kind of like Peggy's battle against sexism and Bobby Slam, this is a side of Peggy that, as a viewer, I feel like we can get behind. Okay, so Peggy's chances of winning the truck are realistically non-existent, but might she be able to pull out this rebellion from within and tear the whole system down like the Megalomart at a Chuck Mangione concert? Suddenly, this thing has legs. Legs that don't need a bikini to highlight them. And Act 1 ends on that note. We have similar stakes to Husky Bobby on one hand, but Husky Bobby never had this subversion angle, so it will be interesting to see where the episode goes from here. Well, as we move forward in Act 2, Peggy's values are going to continue to smack up against the status quo, but we'll start to ask and wonder exactly what establishment Peggy is fighting here. So starting off, if there was any thread of hope left that Peggy would win this beauty pageant on the strength of her, well, beauty, Bobby snips it off here. The boy basically tells his mother that he thinks she is the least attractive woman on the block. (laughs) Ouch. You know, you can't always tell in animation. I mean, Nancy is drawn to look attractive in kind of a past-her-prime sort of way. And men certainly looks more together than Peggy, maybe closer to Helen Pell's class, or at least in touch with Helen Pell's class. Also, it doesn't hurt in Bobby's eyes that men looks like his quasi-girlfriend, Connie. Luann, too, is clearly supposed to be young and attractive in a kind of an untamed, a lower-class sort of way. But with Peggy, I, I don't know. It often feels like Peggy is an attractive enough woman who doesn't try very hard, or maybe tries in all the wrong, old-fashioned ways or something. Kind of like Hank, right? Con is to men, as Hank is to Peggy, as Boomhauer is to Nancy. Bill and Dale, eh, let's not chase that one down, shall we? But anyway, Bobby kind of gives the lie to what I just said about Peggy, because even when Peggy tries to help him see her without the filter of a son to a mother, Bobby understands that and still doesn't see it. Ouch. Yeah, this pageant isn't going to be pretty for Peggy in any sense. So we start to see this play out in all of the pageant preparation that Peggy is part of. 
There's the rehearsal of this tennis racket dance routine set to the Spice Girls, where Peggy is hopelessly out of step, except when, interestingly, the young childless contestant from the previous act is holding her hand. And then there's this conversation with Nancy Gribble, and this is where everything starts to come together thematically. Because when Peggy runs to her best friend to support her, the support she finds turns out to be flimsy at best. Because we can see that Peggy has come to terms with the fact that she cannot supply what this context values and thus has fully shifted her aim toward this goal of undermining the pageant institution itself, of exposing its out-of-date ideas of female beauty and scoring the victory for depth over superficiality. Peggy says as much to Nancy with her comment about shaking things up. And just when we're about to say, right on, Peggy, the episode takes a turn with Nancy's mic drop response of, I think women like you shouldn't be in a pageant if you're not prepared to be judged by women like me. Wait, so who's the rebel and who's the establishment here? Is the pageant old-fashioned and needs to be shaken up enough to celebrate pantsuits over bikini tops? Or is Peggy old-fashioned and needs to be feminist enough to let these women be themselves, even if Peggy feels threatened by where being themselves takes them? This, listeners, in my opinion, is King of the Hill at its best, pointing out that more than beauty is in the eye of the beholder, that conservatism can look like progressivism and vice versa, depending on your point of view. If King of the Hill has an overall message as a series, I think it's this. It's not that simple. And it's not, because Peggy actually maybe hasn't given up on the idea of winning the pageant after all, especially since Nancy really put her in her place. She's giving it one more shot with these ill-advised highlights in her hair. And man, is men brutal in this scene, right? Ronald McDonald? (laughs) Ouch. So give Peggy credit for toughness in this episode. There's no longer doubt that she may not be catching the insults hurled at her. They are pretty blatant at this point, and Peggy keeps her head up, refusing to let the naysayers see her sweat. Or maybe she's defeated on all fronts. It's complicated. She's clearly dejected in the bedroom with Hank and hilariously with her hair still done and poorly highlighted. And Hank's definitely trying to be encouraging here, but we know this isn't his wheelhouse, right? But for better or for worse, Hank feels like he needs to do something. Remember, Hank is a doer. He may not be good with words, but he's good with action. And his gesture of trying to bribe Nancy with brownies is, on some level, touching. As we said, Hank realized immediately the tough spot Peggy was putting herself in. And we have to say... We've seen Hank swoop in and save the day in situations like this before. Obviously in Husky Bobby, as we said. But don't forget Meet the Manger Babies. That episode played with that whole idea by giving Hank a pretty literal God complex about his savior role. But in the world of the show, he did save the day, and it does happen that way with Hank sometimes, and it may need to happen here. Oh yeah, none of this extends far enough for Hank to let Dale keep his ratchet set, by the way. Not that I can say I blame him there. Okay, remember how we said that if all else fails, at least Luann gets a win from Peggy's participation in this pageant because she gets to be her stylist? Yeah. At this point, it's getting more and more difficult to root for Team Peggy Hill. And Act 2 ends with Peggy again all in on winning this thing, but perhaps approaching rock bottom as even the dog rejects her 
at this point. Well, let's resolve this thing. We're going to see that Peggy in Act 3 fully tapes herself into a corner, and Hank does what he does when members of his family enter stage shows. But about that corner Peggy has premium grade duct taped herself into, Hank sums it up well when he says to Luann what the whole episode has implied and has implied that he's known. Your aunt has always had a lot of confidence about her looks, which is good. I love that little editorial comment, by the way. Part of what Hank loves about Peggy is exactly the confidence that has gotten her into this predicament. I like that. All right, back to the quote. But now she's got herself in a kind of a bind. She's either got to admit to herself she can't win the truck and quit, or stay in the pageant and, well, probably lose. Either way, it's going to hurt. Can't sum it up any better than that. No one's shaking anything up, and no one's winning any truck. Luann's not even getting a confidence experience boost now. This has turned, well, ugly. Personal side note before we get into how this pageant unfolds for Peggy. Nancy's line, we're running a little behind schedule, has always stuck with me. I don't think I've pronounced behind schedule with a hard C since I was a senior in high school, thanks to this episode. But anyway, look, there's no way to sugarcoat this. Peggy falls flat on her face at this pageant in every way. Even her brains don't measure up as she humiliatingly flunks the interview when she's inadvertently called out on her exaggerated Spanish language ability and can't find her half jacket, then can't get it on, the premium grade duct tape fails to hold her butt up. And if all that weren't enough, Peggy's one physical attribute she's self-conscious about, her um biggest source of shame, her feet, are exposed, gnarled in duct tape for all to see. And it feels too late for Peggy to get out of this whole thing and still save face. When who shows up on a white horse, or I I, I mean in a white truck, you guessed it. No one swoops in to save the day when his family has no way out like Hank Hill. Kind of like Bobby and Connie and Bobby Slam, he found a way out. You know, there's a lot unspoken between Hank and Peggy. That's just how they roll. We saw that at the end of Peggy's headache. I mean, in some sense, ironically, their relationship works better when they don't communicate. Because they both love the self-confidence in the other and will do whatever it takes to uphold it. We've seen Peggy do that for Hank. Remember the line in Texas City Twister? Not his underwear. And we saw Hank do that for Peggy, or at least we suspected that he had at the end of the Order of the Straight Arrow, when he pretended not to know about Peggy's big shoes that she'd bought. Well, we're going to see Hank do that again for Peggy here. An unspoken, face-saving gesture. Now contrast that with Husky Bobby, in which Hank had no qualms about reminding Bobby that father knew best. But here it's different. Hank knows, Peggy knows, He knows that she knows, and she knows that he knows that she knows, but no one is saying anything. And in front of all the other pageant contestants before whom she'd been humiliated and exposed, Peggy rides off into the sunset with her white stallion, and whether these contestants care or not, in her mind, she ultimately bests them all. By the way, I do like the grounding of that. No, Hank didn't buy any truck. He just painted his old one. Okay, it's time for ratings. What do we think about this episode? For me, this is another solid STS. That's a season 3-7. 
Everything clicked, it was believable, it was thought-provoking, and it was funny. It maybe drops down from the 8 that I might have given it, had it not been for what I still think must have been awkward product placement. So let's give Peggy's Pageant Fever 7 turbocharged goober smooches. Well, listeners, let's hang up our half jackets, rip off whatever premium-grade duct tape remains on our persons, and put Season 3 away for another two weeks. We'll tackle an episode I've been looking forward to getting to, a personal favorite, Nine Pretty Darn Angry Men. Until then, write me at MeltonMcMainerberry at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram, and don't forget to check out my other podcast, Nashville Anthems, Dissecting 80s and 90s Country Music. But above all, remember, when asked if you've already cut the check, the answer is always, Yes, Buck! Adios, amigos.